Well, as has already been stated this past Sunday, I began a series called Seasons. And uh, in this series, we, we talked about how God works in accordance to seasons. Uh, just as nature operates through seasons, but so does, does our lives. How many of you walk through seasons in your life, right? Um, in every area of our life, we uh, walk through seasons. Hopefully you were here last Sunday to hear the message Uh, Or if you were not, hopefully you have watched it online. Speaking of seasons, uh, my wife and I became pastors of this church nearly 19 years ago. It's just, yeah, it's incredible. It has gone by so incredibly, incredibly fast. Uh, Up up until uh, our time uh, with you guys and this church, the longest that my wife and I had ever pastored a single church was 10 years. That was the church that we had uh, planted and pastored before we uh, came here to Arlington. Uh, Back in the early days of our ministry, we got married at 17. You know that story, began pastoring at the ridiculous age of 17 and in those early years, uh, you know, we you know we knew everything, so we could get a church pastored in two or three years. It did. It didn't take long to get a church pastored in those days. But the older we got, uh, the more we realized uh, we didn't know very much, and uh, we kind of slowed down in our pastoring uh, the last uh, several years of our of our life. But I'll never forget my wife and I, as we drove by this property, it was empty at the time and 19 years ago before we officially became pastors here. And I remember us driving by this property and I remember us, I don't know who said it first, we kind of said it, I kind of think at the same time, but, but we said to each other, I wonder what could be accomplished if we gave 20 years uh, to one place. Not five, not twelve, not fifty. What if? What if we? What? What in the world could God do uh, through us uh, in one place if we dedicated ourselves to one place for twenty, for twenty years? Well, we're almost there. We're almost there. In April of two thousand twenty-three, this coming a-, a week, a year from this coming April, it will be. 20 years. In one year and two months from today, uh, it'll be 20 years. That's just incredible and hard to, hard to realize. That being said, we feel a transition is coming. I, I want to be clear, we are not retiring because retirement has a finality to it. And, uh, I don't think we're through with ministry, and uh, but we're calling it a realignment. We are realigning, not retiring, but we are realigning. That being said, we will step down from the role of lead pastors of this church in April of 2023, one year and two months from now. You might say, Pastor, why, why, why are you doing this? Well, let me give you three reasons, and they're in no particular order. Uh, 
Number one, at that time, we will have fulfilled our 20-year commitment to this ministry. Number two, I know you could not tell by looking, but we will be 68 years old in a year and two months. Church experts say that the average pastor draws people to his church that are between 10 years younger than he and 10 years older than he. So that means in a year and two months that my greatest appeal and draw of people into this church would be from people ages uh, 58 to 78. Uh, that's too old. It's a great age, but our church needs to grow younger, not older. That's one of the reasons why I have so many young staff members to help keep us younger. That's why I listen to them. That's why I allow them to input most of their ideas. Thank God I said most. And it's the reason why that I don't get on the platform until it's time to preach. Our church needs a younger pastor, not today, but a year and two months from now. Third reason is not only do I need to experience a realignment, but I believe that our church is due for realignment. It's time for our church to experience a new season. Yes, the church goes through seasons. And I believe that our season is coming to a close. And a new season is just around the corner for the Grace Place. This new season will require new methods. Not a new message, but new methods in delivering the message. New methods usually come from younger people. We used to be those people. We are no longer those people. See, see what we need to understand is what, what drew grandma and grandpa to the church will not draw their grandkids to the church. I mean, no, it's a new season. It's a new day. Here's the, here's the fact, and that is that a long-tenured pastor is hard to follow. Because the church takes on the characteristics and personality of the pastor after so many years. The church becomes comfortable with him. If he's been successful, the church has grown to, to love him and, and his wife. And, and even more important, they have grown to trust them. Following a pastor that is loved and trusted and has grown the church over a 20-year period, a pastor that has dedicated their babies and baptized their children and married and buried year after year after year, a pastor who has built their facility, this man and his wife will be very hard to follow. I'm not saying that in some egotistical way. I'm telling you, it's the truth. 
usually the one to follow a long-tenured, loved, honored, respected, trusted pastor, usually the one to follow him doesn't make it. Sometimes it takes a couple of pastors coming and going for a, f- for a few short years before someone can become long-tenured again. It happened in this church. Pastor Savage was the founding pastor of this church, and he served this church for 33 years. That's a long time. The man that followed him lasted three years. The man that followed him lasted three years. The man that followed him lasted three years. And then we came. And it's been nearly 19 now. Statistics say that, that, that it takes one, two, three short tenured pastors to overcome a beloved long tenured pastor. Unless, say unless. Unless. Statistics say that the number one most successful transition from one pastor to the next is if it's a succession from a father to a son. That nearly always works. Problem is, that's not going to happen at the Grace Place because our son, Pastor Chad, is rocking it over in Burleson at at LifeGate Church, a church that he and Amber founded 15 years ago. And before COVID hit, they were running over 600 on Sunday morning and just blowing the doors off. And they're recovering now. So that's not a possibility. But the experts say the number two most successful transition in the case of a long-tenured pastor is from the pastor to any other family member, such as a son-in-love and a daughter. And especially if they are already on staff. I believe personally that Sean and Krista should be the next lead pastors of the Grace Place. I believe if they are elected, or I don't believe this, I want to just say this, if elected, they will serve together as co-pastors, co-pastors. Let me give you six reasons why I believe that Sean and Krista should be the next pastors of the Grace Place. Number one is because I believe it's the Lord's will. I feel good in my spirit about it. I have prayed about it. I have sought God about it. And I feel good in my spirit about it. So I believe it's the Lord's will. I want to be abundantly clear. I am not playing the God card. I am not saying God said. I'm saying personally. I have prayed. I have processed. And personally in my own heart and in my own spirit, I believe it's the Lord's will that they be the next pastors. Second reason why I believe they should be the next pastors of this church is because they have the heart of this house. They have the heart of this house. They have been here for over seven and a half years. 
And in April of 2023, they will be here nine years. And they have had much input in shaping this church the past seven and a half years and will have even more input in the next year and two months. Sean is already the go-to guy serving as executive pastor. I pour into Sean. He pours into the staff who pours into the church. He's my right-hand man. I share everything with him, and I am mentoring him for the position. I have already released a lot of ministry to him. There are a lot of things that I used to do that I no longer do. Why? Am I lazy? No, I'm not lazy. And I will tell you the truth, I miss some of those things. But I found out early on that I had a rock star on my hands, and I better make sure that he is fulfilled in ministry, and so he can't just do my errands for me. He's got to do some leading. And so I began to unload some things on him and be giving him opportunities to do a lot of things that I wouldn't have given just anybody, but I knew I could trust him. Number three, why do I believe they should be the next pastors of this church? Because they are qualified for the position. Although they have never been lead pastors, they are not rookies. They've been in full-time ministry for 20 years. They have been youth pastors. They have been uh, uh, directors of Master's Commission. They have been leaders. Uh, they have been executive pastors, worship pastors. They're qualified for the position. The fourth reason I believe they should be the next pastors is because they have gifts and talents that we don't have. But we have gifts and talents that they don't have. See, see, God knew the gifts, talents, and abilities that were going to be needed for our season but he also looked ahead to the next season, I believe, put in some people in place that had other gifts, talents, and abilities that were needed for the next season. And I really, I, it's kind of funny, but I love it. It's the first time that, that we shared this with our board. Uh, there, was, there was some tears. There was some crying. And, and it was a very tender moment and a very, very serious, special, special moment. But... But I'll never forget, as through, through tears, one of, one of the deacons said, Pastor, Pastor, we're really not going to be losing you and Don. I said, you're not? He said, no. He said, Krista is you and Sean is Don. <laughs> She's a much better version than me and a whole lot prettier, amen? Amen. Thank you. I don't want to be pretty. <laughs> Speaking of her, I know you see her on the platform leading worship, and she's incredible in that. But I want to tell you, you have most of you have no idea what's in that package sitting over there on the end there. She, she listen. My kids used to come to me for advice. I now go to them. I'm serious. My son and my daughter have incredible wisdom. And, and I go to them, I say, what, what do you think about this? 
put my daughter in an, in an idea room and you're going to take as many or more of hers than anyone's. I need to get off of that. But I'm telling you, you have no idea this package that, that could be headed your way. Number five, the fifth reason that I believe they should be the next pastors is Sean is 46 and will be 47 at the time of this proposed succession. Uh, Krista is much younger than Sean. We told her that 20 years ago, but now she brags about it. Okay. All right. Uh, By the way, I was 48 when I became lead pastor of this church. Sean will be 47. Krista will be 42 and some change. So based on the 10-year thing that I mentioned early, earlier, he will, and they, but he will be able to draw people ages 37 to 57, Krista, 32 to 52. So the church should get younger after the succession. That being said, they have a heart for every age, so don't, but I'm just telling you, they will have a, a, a greater draw for younger people. How many know that we don't want to just survive? We want this church to be around and thriving till Jesus comes. And if that happens, new, younger people have to come in periodically. And they are coming in. I think it's interesting that in the last two years of, of the pandemic, uh, most of the people that we have grown with here have been younger. So I don't know about that, but I'm pretty happy about that. Number five, fifth reason is because we are family. And because we are family, the possibility of jealousy will be greatly reduced. You say, jealousy? What are you talking about? Yeah, see, sometimes a long-tenured pastor that's been there for 20 years and has been, you know, the man of the house for 20 years, and all of a sudden there's a new man of the house, that's very difficult sometimes It's very difficult for that outgoing pastor to turn loose, but it's also very difficult for that incoming pastor when he hears things from people like, you know, oh, how's, how's pastor and Dawn? And, you know, when, uh, you know, it's, it's very, it's, it's, it it can be a difficult, a difficult thing, uh, for the outgoing and the incoming pastor. But, but, but because we are family, That will not be an issue because, you see, we will want our kids to succeed. See, we've been following that one down there on the end there for all these years. I mean, we were there cheering her on, whether that be basketball or volleyball or debate or, or cheerleading or homecoming princess or, or, or softball or you name it. She is in it. And if she was in it, we were right there cheering her on. And I want to tell you that if the Lord puts them in this position, my wife and I, when we are here, we will be sitting there and we will be cheering them on. Number six, another reason for Sean and Krista to become the next lead pastors is because, because the church already knows them and already loves them. See, if you bring someone in that's brand new, uh, you really don't have a clue as to what you're getting. Uh, see, anybody can look good on paper in a resume. 
How many know we tend to make ourselves look good, especially on a resume? And anybody can make themselves look good on a resume. And, uh, and most preachers or pastors can pull off a good Sunday. Most preachers have at least one good sermon. And they preach that best sermon on that tryout Sunday, and you elect them. And then the next Sunday, and they get up and preach, and you wonder, where'd our preacher go? Doesn't always happen, but it is possible, and it does happen sometimes. Sean and Krista will have served this church for nine years by the time realignment happens. This church knows them, and they will know them and their ministry even better as I pass on more and more ministry to them in the next year and two months. The church, this church, is a sovereign church. What does that mean? That means that this church elects its lead pastor. See, I cannot appoint my successor. Even if I wanted to, I, I, I could not. Even though I am the presbyter of the section, I'm my own presbyter. I'm under myself. But even as the presbyter or overseer of this section and over these churches and pastors, even as, pres- as presbyter, I cannot appoint my successor because this is a sovereign church and my successor must be elected by the official membership of this church. I cannot appoint, but I can recommend. See, No one loves this church more than I do. No one loves this church more than my wife does. We have carried this church on our shoulders and in our hearts 24-7 for almost 19 years. 24-7, 24-7. 365 days a year, 365. You take that long vacation. You're all gone a month in the summer. What are you talking about? Really? You think it goes away? You think we don't think about this church? You don't think with today's technology that we don't get emails and texts and calls? I'm not complaining. I'm just telling you, it never goes away. We have given our lives to the ministry, and we've given 19 of those to you. I... And I am, but I thought I was doing better than I am because when I walked in this morning... It become very real. I love you. I love this church. I love this ministry. And I'm proving that love to you right now. 
because and I'm not I do this to Sean sometimes like I'm trying to really pat and I'm not trying to pat myself on the back this morning but we're doing what we're doing out of love we're doing what we're doing out of what we feel is best for this church nobody wants this church to succeed and move forward after we are gone more than us I don't have a problem crying in front of people. I just need to get through this because there's a timer on the back wall. Um, Chris and I came to this church uh, to serve our parents. We had been in a lot of uh, incredible ministry places and uh, had just loved every minute of every place that God had ever taken us. And we had just had Ellie and we were married for 10 years before we had her. And the thought of being close to family, there wasn't this striking thing like, yes, we need to be close to family. But something about having Ellie, Chris and I were talking one day and we just said, let's go serve your parents out. They had just finished building this building and they had been visiting with us and, and, uh, we could see the weight that they were carrying and, and, uh, you know, he knew at that time, Hey, I'm, I want to give at least, at least another 10 years. And Chris and I looked at each other and said, Hey, let's go make these next 10 years for them. The lightest years ever. Let's just go serve them. As a man, I thought I want to bring their daughter back to them. I want Ellie to come and be influenced by them. They were the greatest spiritual heritage for Ellie. And I just thought, let's, let's get Ellie to be raised under that um, and take advantage of that. And so that's why we came. And we had uh, no motives outside of that. It was just simply to come here and serve and serve the vision of the house. And You know, every space that the Lord has ever asked Chris and I to come into, um, it was just, it was really simple. The Lord would open a door and he would speak to us and we would go. Um, For Chris and I, um, I'll I'll speak mostly for me, but when I received my call uh, early on, there was never this booming voice from the clouds that said, Sean, go and be a youth pastor. It wasn't like that for me. It was, you're called called to my church. And I said, okay. And the door for internship opened. I prayed and felt peace. I walked through that door. Another door for master's commission opened up, met Krista. The door opened for marriage. Hallelujah. <laughs> and, and a door opened to lead in master's commission and a door opened to lead in youth ministry and a door opened here. And so we've prayed every time the Lord opened a door, and now the Lord has opened another door. Um, I was called to ministry when I was 12 years old at a youth camp in the great city of Roaring Springs, 
West Texas, where there is no spring and it is not roaring. (laughs) And from that moment, um, I really never wavered from that. I knew, I just knew that the Lord had a plan for my life. And honestly, um, when I received that call, I said yes to the Lord. And (laughs) I kind of um, was open to anything. Like Sean said, I didn't feel this like overwhelming thing, like you're going to do this. I, I was, I was open to anything. I, I would do youth ministry. I would do worship. Um, I would do even at, at one point in my life, I was even thinking maybe missions. Um, but if I'm a hundred percent honest, there was one thing that I kind of always said, anything but that. <laughs> I'm sure you can probably guess what that one thing is. And <laughs> that was being lead pastor. I don't know if it was just because I grew up in a pastor's home and I, I saw the weight and the pressure that, that um, my parents and my family carried. Um, and don't get me wrong, it, there was a lot of incredible things about pastoring, but there was just something inside of me um, that was just like, man, Lord, like I want to serve you, I want to do ministry, but if we could just not do that. <laughs> and um, I don't tell you that to scare you or th- make you think like, well, then what are you doing? Why, why are we having this conversation, Krista? Um, but I want you to know that because I want you to see my heart and know that this, when this opportunity came and my, my parents started talking to us and asking us if this was something we would want to do, um, I didn't take it lightly. Um, I didn't want to do something just because it seemed like it made sense. You know, sometimes you could probably look at this and go, you know, like, oh yeah, it makes sense. I mean, you're the pastor's kids. You've been here on staff already. You know the heart. It's great. It makes sense. Sure, that works. Um, but for me, I, I needed more than it just makes sense. I needed to hear the Lord clearly, and I needed to have peace in my heart that this is what we were called to do, and this is what we were supposed to do, and this was what God wanted for us, not what my parents wanted, not what even the church would want, but that it was what God wanted for us. And um, that peace came for me a, a couple years ago, Just kind of in a similar way to that 12-year-old receiving a call to ministry at a youth camp. A couple years ago, I was at a service. Um, There was an altar call. And at the altar call, I just felt the Lord ask me, you've given me your life and you've said yes in every area, but you've always held this one part back. What will you say yes to this? And in that moment, I just had complete peace, and I knew that I could respond to the Lord with, with yes. Yes, if this is what you have for me, if this is the door that you open, if this is what you want, I will walk through it um, with boldness and with joy and um, a resounding yes. Because more than anything, I want to be obedient to what the Lord has for me. When this peace came to us... Um we were coming back from a, an event, and I told Chris that I said, 
If we could give our life to preaching the gospel and making disciples, I am all in. I have always loved the local church. I've always had a passion for the church in this way. And Lord, if, if I can do that, I want to do that. And if I have to do some other things, if I have to try to fill shoes that don't fit me, then I can't do that. I don't want to do that. If, if people need me to be a Mike Benson, then I can't do that. But if God's calling me to walk in these shoes right here, and people are fine with these shoes, I'm all in because I can do that. I've been doing it for the last 20 years. And I can keep being that person that God has called. And I can continue to trust the Lord to amplify giftings that he's put in the midst of the both of us. And so with that, we just said, man, we have, we have all the peace in the world. And in transition, a lot of times people want to know, what is the future of the church going to look like? Um, it's going to look like it looks a lot like it looks right now. As pastor said, He's given us so much freedom, and I want to tell you, that is so rare. It is so rare that a lead pastor gives a team freedom the way he does. But the things that you have seen developed over the years, he comes to us and says, what do we want to do for Thanksgiving offering? What do we, how do we want to do this? He sets the vision, but as far as how we accomplish that, he fully gives us so much freedom. And so what you see around here is what we are. It's in the DNA. It's who we are. We want to make disciples and preach the gospel, care for people. That's what we do. And so that's what we envision the church to be like. But I do want to tell you over the next year and month, um, our heart and our vision is to bring honor where honors due. That's what our heart and our vision is. And I'm willing to bet that that's the same for you. I think that the Grace Place and our staff, we have, God has positioned us in this season and in this time next to these people right here. Because God knew that he wanted you and this staff to lift their arms up and honor them for, at that time, 50 years of lead pastoring the local church. They're realigning to new roles, but they have been lead pastors for that long at that time. And we get to celebrate that with them and honor that with them. Um, it is an incredible, incredible opportunity. Uh, we have never felt more honored before uh, for an opportunity like this. Uh, we, meaning Chris and I, um, I know that when they trust, it's not lip service, it's true trust, that we honor that. And we thank you for your trust. Um, we are a very different generation. And we're different people. We're the same couple, <laughs> but we're very different people. Um, so we won't try to walk in their shoes. We'll try to walk in the shoes that God gave us. And just to make sure we're all on the same page, they are our lead pastors for the next year and a month. And year and two months. And Sorry, Pastor. <laughs> Didn't mean to get a little squirrely there for a moment. <laughs> um, but who's counting? Yeah, who's counting? 
But I, I just, I want us to know that we're going to honor them and they are our leads for this next season. And um, we're going to give them our best. As you can probably tell, this has been a bit of an emotional journey for us. And I know for you guys, some of you um, heard this just recently in the last couple weeks, or maybe today is your first time um, hearing anything about this. Um, We've been processing this for a couple years now, and we're still emotional about it. So um, there's a lot of relational dynamics here, and I I just want to say... I know they're your pastors, and you love them, but they're my parents and my pastors, and we love them, too. You know, um, experts say that succession in churches, it's a lot like celebrating um, a wedding and a funeral all at the same time. And I honestly can't think of a better uh, description, because um, we're mourning uh, the loss, not of, we don't ever lose them, they are going to still be with us, but the loss of them as our pastors, lead pastors, Um, and that's hard. You know, some of you, they've been your pastors for almost 20 years, some of you maybe newer, two or three years or whatever, but no matter what, I know that they have made a big impact in your life. And that's hard. It's hard to walk through a loss like that. And yet at the same time, um, we know that just because the Lord moves someone else on does not mean that the Lord is done with the grace place. God has great things for this church. So in the midst of mourning, there's also a celebration of new beginnings and what the Lord is going to do in the future. And so I just want to encourage you over this next year and two months to embrace, embrace the tension of, not tension with us, there's not tension there, the tension of the wedding and the funeral. The tension of, man, Man, I can't, I don't, can't imagine. I mean, it's hard for Sean and I to even think about talking about the grace place without my parents being in the mix. And I know it is for you as well. So, so, so it's okay. It's okay to express those feelings and to, to embrace that tension of sadness for what was, but also an excitement for what God has to come. I also just want to say this is, you know, pastor talked about how there's, there's, you know, less, um, it re, there's less room for jealousy or whatever between the new guy and the old guy. Um, I want to encourage you guys. This is my family and I love them so much. And I, I want you to have freedom to honor them with your words, um, with your time, with your emotions, with everything, so that I don't want you, I want you to know from us, man, when, when you're sad and I see tears, like, that doesn't make me feel uncomfortable. I I feel happy because when someone loves my family, like, I love, I love people that love me, but when they love and they honor my family, 
And the people that I love, I love them even more. So over this next season, use your words. Use your words. You know what? We don't get time back. If they have made an impact, if they have um, touched your life, if they have been there for you in a situation or or whatever, helped you heal um, from church hurt or whatever it is, express those things. Express those things. It's okay. Um, It's not going to offend us or make us feel awkward. We embrace that this is a season of wedding and a season of funeral. And um, we want to express those things to the fullest and not hold anything back. Well, it's obvious that we feel that the best choice for our successors are Sean and Krista. Somebody said true success produces a successor, and I think that we have done that. But not only do we believe, and if you've tuned out or whatever, please tune into this. You must hear this. Not only do we believe this, but the entire official board of this church believes this. See, this is a board recommendation, not just a Pastor Mike recommendation. Much prayer and discussion and processing has gone into this. You might say, well, why are you telling us now? It's going to be a year and two months before you are no longer our lead pastor. Why are you telling us now? Well, good question. Thank you for helping me with that question. See, here's the answer. We want this to be a smooth, well-planned, well-processed transition. We want everyone to have time to process the change. So here's the timeline that we are working with. On March the 2nd, this coming March the 2nd, about a month away, on March the 2nd, on the first Wednesday night of March, which is our annual business meeting, meets the first Wednesday night of March every year. And so on March the 2nd, on the first Wednesday night of March, at our annual business meeting, at this business meeting, the official members of this church will be allowed to vote on whether Sean and Krista will become the next lead pastors of this church. It will be a simple yes or no vote. And if they are elected, they will become lead pastor elect. Say elect. They will not officially become lead pastors until April of next year, 2023. I will remain the lead pastor and Sean will remain the executive pastor until then. This being said, I will involve him and Krista more and more and seek input from both of them in every decision that I make. I've already promised them that I will not be, I will not be presenting any new projects or programs or anything like that. In fact, in fact, I'm clearing some things, giving them a, a, a clean slate. I will do everything in my power to set them up for future success. I will do the same for this church. Hopefully, by the time the actual handoff takes place, it will be seamless and smooth. Here's a fact. In a relay race, it's not always the fastest team that wins the race. 
but the team that passes the baton the smoothest. Most churches take a step or two back when the baton is passed from one pastor to the other. Many churches even drop the baton. We don't want that to happen to us. Let me say this this morning. The process that we are going through is not original with us. We didn't just make something up. We read several books on succession. We sought professional coaching on transition. We got counsel from some long-term pastors who have walked through a transition. We have processed this with our board for over two years. We have done our due diligence. This is a very, very important matter. The health and the future of this church depends on a smooth transition from the outgoing pastor and the incoming one. You might be asking, Pastor, what do you want from us? I'm asking you to process what you are hearing and pray about what you are hearing. We've been processing this. Me and Sean have been talking about succession for about four years now. We've been talking weekly now for, for two years. We've had a lot of time to process and, and, and to read and to study and to seek uh, advice and counsel and wisdom. But for many of you, this is the first you've ever heard of it. So I'm asking you to process and pray about what you've heard this morning. And it'll also be online so you could listen to it again. And I'm expecting the Holy Spirit to speak to you and to confirm in your spirit what is in the hearts of your pastors and what is in the heart of the official board of this church. I'm pretty sure he's already begun the process. If you have questions today or any time in the next few weeks before our business meeting, you can, approach, you can approach any one of us, and we'll be happy to try and answer your questions. We are telling you this now, a full month in advance of the vote, so that no one can say they were not informed. No one can say they were not given time to process and pray. By the time the business meeting comes, all questions should have been answered because we're giving you a month to ask those questions. So please don't come to the business meeting with questions. Get your questions answered before the meeting happens. You've got a month to ask those questions. And so when we get to the annual business meeting, a simple vote should be able to be taken. I love you so much. I'm doing everything in my power to set everyone up for future success. You might be thinking, Pastor, what are you going to do? Sit in your recliner and eat chip and dip? I do that now. My grandkids know which chair not to sit in in our house. Because if they sit in it, they get sat on by Papa. Pastor, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I'm going to continue to do what I love. I'm going to continue to pastor. 
I'm a presbyter. I'm a pastor of pastors. And God is opening doors for me to take my nearly 50 years of ministry and pour into younger and more inexperienced pastors and ministers. And so I will pastor pastors. I've begun to do a lot of troubleshooting. I've been doing a lot of problem solving with churches. I'm sure that will continue. And I'm getting a lot of... um, satisfaction from that. I will also be preaching and teaching as a guest minister. Perhaps I'll even do some interim pastoring where I pastor a church that's looking for a pastor for a few weeks or a few months or whatever. Pastor Sean has told me that he wants me to preach here a couple of times a year if they become the lead pastors. My son says, Dad, I want you twice a year. I don't believe that God is finished with us as ministers. He's just leading us into our next season. Father, we love you. God, I thank you that that before the foundation of the world, before we were ever even conceived, that you wrote down every single step that we would take in our life. You are ordaining our steps. You have ordained them. And we're walking them out. God, I love this church, but you love this church more than I do. Jesus, you love this church so much the Bible says that you died for it. And I know that you're going to continue to lead and direct and guide and bless us in the future as you have in the past. Give us clarity. Help us to have the same heart, the same mind, the same spirit. Help us to be open to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, what a service today. Would you guys give honor to where honors due? Because this transition, the future of the church wouldn't look the way it does without lead pastors like this.